0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus says, the last will be first and the first last. With these blessed words, our Lord is teaching the doctrine of justification, that those who have been brought low by God's law are lifted up by his word of promise for the sake of his Son, and then again, those who by their own works or vanity have exalted themselves over God's word, over and against God's will, are brought low and indeed brought to nothing. Now, last week we learned from our Heavenly Father, from His very voice, that we ought to listen to Jesus, to hear Him only. And especially when He teaches this doctrine of justification. He told us not to listen to the false teachers or give attention to their leaven but this is very difficult because the false teachers have a way of saying things that line up with so-called common sense Jesus on the other hand takes our common sense flips it on it flips it on its head especially when he teaches how things work in his kingdom now the disciples really really struggled with this when Jesus would hold court in His kingdom during His earthly ministry. They knew that it was an honor just to see their Master, and imagine how much more great an honor it would be to have their Master touch someone or bless them. Now, with every passing sermon that Jesus preached, with every miracle that He did, and then especially after the booming voice of God the Father saying, this is my Son, it was dawning on the disciples that this man is indeed the Christ, the long-awaited king who would sit on David's throne forever. Now, if Jesus is indeed a king, then perhaps he doesn't have time for little things that earthly kings certainly don't have time for. So, for instance, even though Barack Obama may say his heart bleeds for your checkbook, I I guarantee he doesn't care (laughs) if you're having trouble balancing it. And so when the little children came to Jesus and the disciples tried to stop them, Jesus says this, Unless you turn and become as a child, you shall surely not enter the kingdom of heaven. And again he says, Suffer the little children to come to me and do not hinder them. Jesus is going to be teaching you, dear saints, the same thing today. The kingdom of heaven isn't a kingdom that that honors you according to your station in life or your works. It's a kingdom of God's grace, of God mercifully giving his gifts to sinners like you and me. Jesus teaches that salvation in God's kingdom is granted by grace alone. And it's true, you know, the kingdom of heaven is very different from the kingdoms of this world. Though, when we hear Jesus explain it in his parables, which use you know common images and, and things that we're familiar with in this life, we, we feel like it's familiar, but always somewhere in that parable is something surprising, something that catches us off, off guard. So, for instance, when the master of the vineyard doesn't pay the first laborers more than the last laborers, it surprises us. We feel like there's something a little bit off here. And we ask ourselves, according to the common sense of this world, why wouldn't he give more money to the laborers who had borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat? In our minds, uh, the amount of money that you get is proportionate to the amount of work that you do. Anything else just doesn't seem fair. Now, I'm willing to... Uh, think that most of us have had an hourly job at some time in the past. And when during the course of that job, you wouldn't ever imagine, for putting in 20 uh, minutes worth of work or an hour worth of work, that you would somehow get from that six hours worth of wages. So why doesn't this master honor his laborer's hard work, who have been out there all day? Well, pay attention to what's happening in the parable. The master is not being unjust. In fact, he's sticking to his word. He's sticking to his promise that he had made to the laborers, telling them that, I will give you a denarius. He said, after, and the text says, after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He agreed with them for this amount. He didn't lie. He didn't do anything unexpected. The curious thing, of course, is that The master continued to go out, hour after hour, to find more laborers to work in the vineyard. So going out the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He doesn't ask for the resume, by the way, and he doesn't have them fill out an application. Instead, he tells the lazy bums, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give to you. And so according to the master's call, they went having both, now, the promise of a reward and work. And at the sixth and the ninth hours, the same call was given to others. And then finally, at the end of the workday, the master finds more idle fellows and tells them, you go into the vineyard too. I don't know the best way to think about this, but what comes to my mind is like imagining a reckless manager who's been given a budget for payroll and totally ignores it, Instead, what he wants to do is to get as many people a paycheck as he possibly can. (laughs) And at the end of the day, the manager of this vineyard does what is right. He gives to each person a denarius. And of course, this is the heart of the controversy. Because the first laborers didn't have an idle moment, they did the heavy lifting. So why aren't they getting more? there are three things to notice. First, there is the call into the vineyard itself. Second, there is the labor that takes place in the vineyard. And third, there is the reward, the denarius that the master gives. Now, when we try to interpret this parable through the common sense lens of this world, what happens is we 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 tie the denarius even though the text doesn't do this, we tie the denarius to the the work that's being done by the laborers. It's their due. They've earned it. It's something that they've made for themselves. But that's not it at all. The reward is tied to the master's call, his invitation into the vineyard, and not to the work. The reward is bound to the master's voice and not to the laborer's time on the clock. And the reason we know this is because those people who had hardly worked an hour received the same exact amount, and the, per, the same exact amount as the people who arrived there first. Now, dear Saints, this denarius is the great gift of salvation that you have through the call of the Gospel, the promise that the reward has already been won through Jesus' works on your behalf. And it has nothing to do with your efforts. Instead, it depends on God's mercy alone. And for that reason, the Lord calls whomever he wishes, be they little babies, grown adults, or people near the end of their life. He doesn't care about your resume, because your resume is the exact same as everybody else's resume. It says, one word on it, sinner. He knows that you've been idle... He knows that you've wasted the day with fruitless vice and sin. Nevertheless, He chooses you. He calls you into His kingdom by saying that you are forgiven, not for your sake, but for the sake of Jesus' perfect obedience and His atoning suffering and death. Jesus' resume, written with His own blood poured out from the cross, says, perfect for the sake of sinners. And that's the only resume that counts. He has earned the reward, and his denarius is given to you and the call that you have heard in your baptism. Now, what about the fact that those who were called were put to work? It's true. There's work to be done in God's kingdom. Now, the call of the gospel reconciles us to the Father, but the Lord wants you to be exercising your faith. The time of serving your own desires in idleness has come to an end because you've been placed into the vocations of loving and forgiving your neighbor as freely as you have been loved and forgiven by Jesus himself. And so as moms and dads, you bring up your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. As sons and daughters, you, you honor your parents and obey other authorities that God has placed over you. You're eager to help and support your neighbor's bodily needs you love your, and honor your spouse, and you improve and protect your neighbor's possessions and income, and you pray for both God's saints and for sinners. But not all works are the same. Some of you have toiled long and hard in service towards your neighbor and for the sake of this church. You brought your children to this font to be baptized you faithfully taught Sunday school, or you've served on boards and committees that care for both this congregation and for this whole community. These are good and blessed things, and we give thanks to you today, or give thanks for you today in our prayers. But it's also at this point that Satan is going to try to tear your ears away from the gospel, and then to lock your eyes onto your works so that they can be compared to the works of others. Now, two things can happen. Either you're going to look at the length of your service and the quality of your works and then give in to the temptation to resent the Master's baptismal call given to someone who has hardly done a thing. Or you're going to despair. You're going to look at your works and see them tainted with sin. And you're going to doubt that they're even good. And then you're going to look at these works and say, if they're not good, then maybe I'm not called. Dear saints, both of these perspectives are a trap. Because your center of attention has gone from Jesus' works, Jesus' word, to your own works. It's at this point that the common sense of this world ensnares you by linking your heavenly reward to bearing the burden of the day in the scorching heat. Repent. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus and His works. His works which have obtained the call, which He has given to you, that gives forgiveness, life, and salvation. Yes, you must work, but your labor counts for nothing as long as you fear, love, and trust in those works. Don't look at your works and boast. And neither despair when you can't see your good works, because I guarantee if you look at any good work hard enough, you'll see it dripping with sin. Now, this isn't to say that there aren't both spiritual and temporal benefits that come from works that are done in faith, nor is it to say that others can't rejoice when they see you doing good works in faith. But these works are neither the source of your salvation, nor are they the foundation of your confidence in your baptismal calling. And this is exactly why Jesus teaches a sort of saintly forgetfulness when it comes to good works. I think Pastor Wolfmuller likes to talk about this a lot. Jesus says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do you know where this forgetfulness comes from? It comes from having a mind not full of works, but full of Jesus. It's full of Christ and His Word. And so here the Master's call and rejoice. You are chosen in baptism. You are forgiven. His promise to you, His word cannot be broken. And this is how it is in God's kingdom. Though you were last because of your sins, you have become first because of Jesus' own righteousness that He has freely given to you. Thanks be to God. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.